watch out world. I would be strutting like naked down the street. I don't even know. I would feel so confident. Welcome to the Empowered Pod, where we have real, honest conversations, survivor to survivor. These are your co-hosts and founders of Empower, Isa and Nina. You may already know us from our Instagram, at IamEmpower. This is a series where we will talk candidly and destigmatize conversations surrounding sex and relationship trauma and the healing process, because everyone should feel empowered. This is a trigger warning. On this podcast, we will discuss our own experiences with sexual violence and assault and unpack the challenges we faced in the healing process. Welcome back to the Empowered Pod. The first thing we want to say is thank you to our Instagram community for getting us to 25K. We are so excited and feel so grateful for all the people that we have surrounding us and for all your guys' love and support. So with the holidays coming up, we wanted to dedicate a special episode to talk a little bit more about self-care and what that means to us. The holidays can not only be a stressful time as a whole, but can also be really triggering for survivors, when, whether you're spending it with family this year or alone. Family can be really, really triggering for survivors for so many reasons, whether it was a family event that occurred or whether your family is just not really understanding or supportive. But at the same time, Spending it alone can also be really triggering. Being so isolated and just alone with your thoughts and missing your family or missing that support system can also be really triggering. Yeah, we also just want to remind everyone that we are still in a pandemic and it is really important to be prioritizing our own health, but also the health of our family members. So please remember to gather with care, to self-quarantine after exposing yourself to large groups of people and to just really be safe. So in this episode, we are going to be talking through what self-care really means and what it looks like and how you can develop a routine for yourself. And the reason why we wanted to do this now is because we really recommend starting ahead of time um, to really nurture and build up your mental health and self-compassion as we enter into the holiday season. And just as a reminder, if you need a guide on setting boundaries with family, if that is who you're spending the holidays with, we have our last episode, episode five, on a little guide on how to do that. So like we said, today we're going to be talking about self-care, and we're going to kick it off with how we define it. But before we fully break down what that is and how we define it, we wanted to just highlight some submission that we got from our Instagram community. Um, You guys gave us really great examples of what it meant for you. And here are a couple of examples. Something that refills my heart and energy bucket. Taking a moment to check in with yourself and allowing yourself the space and time to be yourself. And acts and ways of being that center you so you can show up more fully in the world. Yeah, I really love these submissions and I'm really excited to get to later some of the other examples we got of some people's self-care routines. So self-care to us is having a deliberate plan and set of things that you do to make sure that your basic needs are being met and to take care of your mental, emotional, and physical health. It's really important to remember that self-care should be a part of your routine. It's a preventative thing to take care of your mental health. It's not something that you only do when you're feeling especially stressed or depleted. And this is something that I actually learned pretty recently. Yeah, me too. Honestly, when we were doing the research for this podcast episode, I kind of learned how important actually building this out into your routine is. 
because before this, I really just viewed self-care as retail therapy or getting a facial or getting a massage or Mm -hmm. things like that, that I thought was like, oh, self-care is an extra thing. It's not something that's like daily or that's building me up. I kind of just thought of that as just life. And I didn't realize how important it was to build it into your everyday. Yeah. And I think that it makes a lot of sense because things like coping strategies and positive self-talk and mindfulness and self-compassion All those things actually take a lot of time and work to develop. So you really do have to practice doing those things and building them into your life on the regular. And the way that I really think of self-care is I imagine self-care as my base. It's really the foundation that my whole mental well-being rests on. So whenever something bad happens or whenever I'm feeling really low, I rely on that strong base of my mental well-being to ground myself and help me get through those things. So self-care to me is building up my stores of energy and building up all of that. So when I am feeling low, I have this foundation to rely on. Because without a strong foundation, it's really easy to get knocked over when things happen or stressful situations arise. And I think what's really difficult about really developing these coping strategies and mindfulness practices and just self-care routines in general is it really requires you to be honest with yourself and honest with your needs and actually ask yourself what you need and what will actually make you feel better and restore your energy levels. And it's not just buying that dress or putting on that face of makeup. It really is what do you really need in order to feel good every day? Yeah, I feel like this is a good time to introduce the concept of daily self-care versus emotional first aid. These things are really closely related and we'll get more into this later and how you can actually apply this thinking to your life. But you have tools that you use in your day-to-day life, in your routine, um, that are a part of your self-care that help build your stores of energy. And you also have things that you do like coping strategies that you tap into when you are facing a crisis in the immediate. So we all have daily shit that goes on in our lives. We all have stressors. We all have the existential stress of living with COVID and everything else in the world. We have intergenerational and collective trauma like racism and the patriarchy, we have basic mental health struggles. So we have all of this like daily shit that we deal with day to day. And that's what we use with our self-care is that we have these tools that we use every day or X number of times a week. Um, But we also have different tools for when we're facing acute crises. So when another immediate trauma happens to you, we have different tools for those um, circumstances. So that's really why it's important to maintain our mental health day to day, because when we are faced with a crisis, we have that base level of mental health. So obviously it's really important to do this on a regular basis because building up your mental well-being to tackle all this daily shit that we got going on takes a lot of work. But we ended up asking our community if they do self-care and if you do it regularly. And we wanted to highlight this because this is why we're really talking about this today. So the first question we asked was, do you guys do self-care? And over 2,000 people voted and around 1,500 said yes and around 500 said no. So a large majority of you guys do do self-care. And then we asked if you guys do it regularly, and that was a bit more 50-50. And so that's why we really wanted to highlight this, because clearly there's this misconception still that self-care is a a once-in-a-while thing or 
um, a thing that you do to splurge on yourself. It's not necessarily something to do or build in regularly. Or maybe people do know that they're just not doing it. So we want to highlight how important this is. Yeah, this is such an important distinction to make for a lot of different reasons. Um, we really want to make a distinction between pampering yourself and actually doing self-care. We all love to pamper ourselves. We, we love all it. love to get our nails done, do something extra for ourselves, and that's great. We should always be doing stuff that makes us feel good. Um, but pampering and indulging in yourself is really something additional that you were doing to show yourself some extra love or doing something special. Um, but self-care is really the maintenance. Self-care should be the absolute minimum that we are doing to maintain our emotional well-being. We need to be doing self-care regularly, guys. And yeah, I also want to say that you do not have to spend a lot of money on self-care products. You don't need to go out and buy a bunch of face masks, buy a bunch of bath bombs, even though that's what I do. <laughs> you don't need to do that. Self-care can be absolutely free. Self-care mm -hmm. is really just about taking the time to maintain your emotional and physical well-being. So the main thing we want to dive into today is the idea of a self-care toolkit or having a self-care plan for yourself. So what a self-care toolkit really is, is putting down onto paper what your self-care plan is, both for your self-care routine and for moments of crisis. So this really means figuring out what different self-care strategies resonate with you, evaluating the cost and time that strategy takes and the relative impact it has on your well-being. And the point of this is to make self-care really easily accessible to you so you know what you need in those moments. So first we're going to walk through just the different pillars of self-care and what our self-care strategies look like in each category. If you don't have a good idea of what self-care tools work for you, try some of these out that we're mentioning um, and see what resonates. We're also going to be including some other examples of self-care strategies that our community members gave us at the end. So stick around to listen to those and try some of them out. Yeah, so before we dive into the five types of self-care, we do just want to say that a lot of these intersect and have a lot of overlap. Um, but to keep it simple, we just wanted to organize our own plans and walk you through those um, with each individual category. Yeah, so the first self-care pillar that we are going to talk about are physical acts of self-care. So what this means is really focusing on your actual health, so your medical and sexual health to be specific, um, and things that you do with your body to help take care of yourself. Yeah, so this is one that has high impact for me. So a couple of things that I do for physical self-care is I try to exercise 30 minutes of just moving my body every day. I definitely have a lot of dance parties. This is going to come up again. Parties. I also just like go on walks to clear my head. Um, that can also look like hiking on weekends, drinking tea, and biggest one ever, masturbation. 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 Playing with your pussy. <laughs> yeah, masturbation is a huge one. It also is just good for you endorphins we have another post about this on our instagram too it reduces stress it's great it's good for you if you guys don't masturbate do you should yeah <laughs> you should try it out a lot of these ones um are similar for me that you mentioned i think it's really interesting how um exercise is a really big one for you because i think that people are very split on that 
for me, like exercise is not something that I need to do every day to be a part of my self-care routine. I don't need to move my body to help maintain my mental health. So I think that that's just like really interesting to think about and to remember that like people have different strategies that resonate with them because we all have different mental health shit going on. Like yeah. Different things that work for us. Mm-hmm. For me, um, drinking tea is another big one for me. I drink tea pretty much every night before I go to bed. Just really helps me calm down and make sure I drink some water before bedtime, which is good for you. Um, Another big one for me is eating intuitively and avoiding foods that like trigger my stomach. So I have some like pretty nasty gut <laughs> issues. <laughs> it's okay. A lot of survivors have IBS. We can talk about, we're going to talk about this on another <laughs> fucking episode, but taking care of what I'm eating. I am not someone who does restrictive dieting or any form of like restrictions on my diet. But making sure that I'm avoiding foods that do make my stomach really upset is just a nice way that I can actually take care of myself because it's pretty miserable when I don't do that. Um, I love hiking. I need to be better about this. I was really good about it earlier this year, hiking once a week. So I need to get back into that one. Um, Dance parties. Yeah. Dance parties are in like three of the different categories for me. Dance parties are... Definitely physical. I love just letting myself move and flow in the way that feels natural. I love the idea of just like putting on a playlist and just moving your body to whatever feels like intuitive for you. It's very freeing. So the next pillar is emotional and this is really just defined by awareness of your feelings, dealing with stress in a positive way and cultivating a sense of compassion and love for ourselves. Um, So things that I do in this category are, to me, getting in tune with my emotions is really hard. It's, I'm very dissociative (laughs) in that way. I'm a dismissive avoidant attachment style, which we will have an episode on also. Um, So I totally have to force myself into feeling my emotions. And this oftentimes looks like listening to sad country songs to make myself cry or scream in the car. (laughs) Ah, yeah, been there. Honestly, post-breakup, that was just really what got me. The I Hope song, where she's like, I hope she cheats on you. (laughs) I really was like, yes, and now I feel things. Tonight I'm Gonna Cry by Keith Urban. Oof, yes, always gets me there. Female by Keith Urban. Oh, just Keith Urban, man, always makes me cry. (laughs) I also, uh, go to the beach. So seeing the ocean, hearing the ocean really is soothing to me and allows me to just dive into my emotions. Sometimes I journal. This popped up in my therapy. And then car rides or road trips. So my family is down in San Diego and we are living up here in the Bay Area. So whenever I drive home alone, those six or seven hours to myself is just really great to just tap into my emotions, my thoughts, and reconnect with myself in that way. I definitely feel you on the journaling. That's one that I've had for my emotional self-care as well. I'm pretty bad at like actually sitting down and forcing myself to journal, but I do have a long notes in my notes app on my phone where whenever I'm feeling some big feelings, I just put them all down in my phone, which is Yeah, I call it light journaling, so that's nice. Um, (laughs) I take baths at least twice a week. I will fill the entire bath with bubbles and stay there for about an hour. 
It's very Honestly, the relaxing. Snapchats that you send me of all these bubbles are just so great. Yeah, pro tip, don't turn on the jets once you put in the bubble stuff. <laughs> it's a lot of bubbles. If you don't have a bathtub, some essential oils in the shower, super great way to like de-stress and make your shower a little bit more special. Can I just highlight a community submission on this one? Because they recommended eating a cold orange in a hot shower. I've never done that, but if I think that I'm gonna works try for it you, yeah. we'll keep you updated next week on things that we've tried from our community submissions and how they went. Yeah, check our Instagram story this week. We are definitely gonna try out some of our favorite self-care submissions. Um, some of the other ones that I had for my emotional self-care were making playlists to suit my different moods. I really love doing that. I love to sing and just having different playlists like planned out for when I'm sad or when I'm angry. Very helpful to get my emotions out. Um, and then therapy. Therapy is a big one. Very, very important for me to be in therapy. So the next self-care pillar that we are going to talk about is social. So social means having a supportive network of people around you that help create a sense of belonging and acceptance. So for me, it's kind of funny because a lot of my um, social self-care tools actually have to do more with me getting alone time from being social. I tread the line between being an extrovert and an introvert pretty closely. And now that I'm living with a house filled with amazing women, it's really important for me to actually get alone time and make sure that I have the time to decompress and recenter myself alone. Um, but I also just love doing low key things with my friends. I love, I'm so, I feel like I'm such a homebody. Granted, again, we're in a pandemic, so everyone's a bit of a homebody right now. But yeah, I love just like sitting on my balcony, drinking coffee with my friends. Like back when I went out and looked to the world, I used to love going on coffee dates with people. Um, but now little FaceTime dates, those are great too. Um, and I also really love connecting with a larger community of women and queer people and survivors. I think that having a greater connection to different communities with identities that you hold can just be such a restorative element of self-care. Yeah, I mean, that's a, another great piece to just highlight with this community that we're building too. I think that doing this work is major self-care for me because mm -hmm. I do this every day and it really centers me into my purpose. Um, and so this is both social and it bleeds into emotional, spiritual, all these other different types of pillars, but working on this company and connecting with all of you guys and all these survivors and these people that really care about self-improvement and healing, mm -hmm. huge one for me. Um, a couple others for me is watching stand-up comedy with friends and laughing. Yeah. Laughing is one of my favorite things to do of all time. Stand-up comedy recommendations. John Mulaney. I've watched him so many times. We could quote the entire, all three of his specials. Yeah, and I've turned my sister on him. I've turned all my friends on him. So I just repeatedly watch John Mulaney. And coffee dates also. I love just grabbing coffee. Coffee is such a dear thing to my soul. So anytime that I can grab coffee with someone or drink it over FaceTime or whatever it is, um, I totally do that to connect with people. And dance parties, again because I dance alone and I also dance with others. So the next one that we're talking about is spiritual. So this is really just belief systems or values that help guide your life and things that just really help nourish your soul. 
So this can look like a lot of different things, but for me, I was never really raised with a set religion or a set belief system or that spiritual. So I've kind of found this in different ways that work for me. Um, a lot of this really relates to just having conversations about my deeper self with friends. This has turned into a lot of different things for me. I've gotten mm -hmm. into astrology, I've gotten into Enneagram quizzes, love languages, and just psychology in general. One that was really important to me before this whole pandemic hit was also going to yoga and just breathing with a room full of people was really meaningful to me. I've kind of lost that recently, but that's something that I'm also really looking forward to tapping back into once everything opens up. Another one for me is just sitting and being in nature. I think that the wind and leaves and just nature is so beautiful and just sitting in it and admiring it just really connects you to something larger than yourself. Yeah, for me, I have a lot of um, different spiritual things that I do for self-care, and a lot of these have a lot of high impact for me. The first one I had on my list was tattoos. I have always been someone who's gotten tattoos when I was, like, going through shit. And that makes two of us. Yeah. And now I feel like I am at a little bit of a different stage in my life, and now I'm just, like, I, like to get tattoos to kind of tap into like those deeper understandings of myself um, and explore like expressions of myself and personality. And I just love doing that. Um, another big one for me is connecting with my intuition and my divine feminine. This is something that I've been really interested in lately. Um, and this also connects with my third one, which is exploring different spiritual practices and belief systems. So I've mentioned this in previous podcasts, but I was raised pretty religiously in the Christian faith. And in the past two years or so, I've started exploring different elements of spirituality and different spiritual practices. And that has just been so fun for me. And it's really allowed me to connect more with my deeper self and my feminine nature and my intuition. And that's been really awesome. Like you also connecting with nature. I love hiking. I love just being in the forest and feeling it's a little bit scary sometimes, but being like isolated in nature, I really love. And then again, I had therapy down for this one. Therapy. Honestly, I will say it a thousand times. Therapy is the fucking bomb. Therapy is the bomb. I think Everyone I, should go to therapy. Well, yeah. Yes. And I also just like think yes. that people really do not think of therapy as self-care, but I think that it's so like indicative of what self-care actually is because like Therapy, self-care is maintenance. You mm -hmm. have to do self-care. You have to go to therapy to maintain your mental health. You don't just go to therapy when you're in like an immediate crisis. You yeah. go to therapy every single week. You go to therapy when you're doing well too, to learn the coping strategies, to learn the different tools you need. So if or when something happens, you have those tools and you know how to handle it differently mm -hmm. than you did the last time. So I yeah. think that therapy is just a really good example of actual self-care i think that also people have a misconception of like self-care as being selfish because it's connected so much to like being indulgent in yourself mm -hmm. and i mean first of all like there's nothing wrong with indulging in yourself we should all love ourselves very deeply and care for ourselves but self-care is not selfish self-care is absolutely necessary if i ever get selfless as a compliment I'm going to uh, hit that person. Like, that is so not a compliment to me. I'm like, oh, selfless. you're so selfless. I'm going to be like, oh, so I don't acknowledge my needs? That's, like, the biggest insult to me ever. <laughs> well, I mean, 
reflective of you not doing something good for yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> to go, you're being so selfless. Oh, you're like, no. Oh, fuck, I need to check in with myself. Yeah, like, let's go. Shit. Being selfless, I've lost myself. I don't have it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no. The last self-care pillar that we are going to talk about is intellectual. So intellectual self-care means focusing on your personal growth, your continuous pursuit of learning, your curiosity, and having a positive growth mindset. So this was another really important one for me. The first one on my list was discussing slash ranting about politics or feminism or really any other social justice issue. Um, We indulge in this all the time. Yeah, I mean, I I can't hold it in, and I need need to let it out. I need to rant about this shit. I can't just have level-headed discussions. I need to get get it out. I mean, hey, that's also self-care. You're tapping into your emotions. It is. You're feeling your emotions of anger. That's valid. Yeah, the other one for me on this was working on Empower. It is so restorative for me to do this work um, and definitely is related to my intellectual growth too. Um, And I also just love, I love reading books. I love listening to podcasts to learn about different things I'm passionate about. Uh, For example, to how to be a better ally. I love learning more about trauma and I just really love learning about different people's lived experiences. Um, I also had therapy down in my intellectual (laughs) pillar because I love learning more about myself and unpacking uh, all those different like layers and connections within my personality and my identities. Yeah, I think that's something that I love so much about our friendship and our relationship is that we're both very into self-awareness and exploring ourselves and exploring like what drives us, what motivates us, what we need to unpack. And I think that both of us for intellectual is this is a big piece of it. And for me, that really looks like podcasts. I love listening to as many podcasts as I can. Like I said, I'm an extrovert. I've been very lonely during this pandemic. <laughs> podcasts have been a huge coping mechanism for me. <laughs> I listen to them about self-improvement, um, about business or news. I also read similar to you to satisfy my curiosity. I am really into memoirs and other people's lived experiences as well. Glennon Doyle's books are mm. so amazing and they really just have let me tap into myself and just more self-awareness. And then same goes with you as well. Social justice conversations, love doing that. I love like reading about it on social media, um, learning about it through other people's perspectives, I think Mm -hmm. is so important because I have a lot of my own or I've had a lot of my own that have been incorrect. And Mm -hmm. I have really enjoyed just challenging all of my beliefs about a lot of these systems and So now that you have our examples and ideas of what the pillars of self-care are, we wanted to highlight some of the great and hilarious community examples we got. So we're going to kick us off with some of the good examples that we received. One of them was time alone, exercise, hobbies, sleeping eight hours, and masturbation, our favorite. Love. Highlight that, yes. Um, Another one was taking time out of every day to clean my workspace stretch and meditate. Another one was journaling, crying, dancing, hiking, all very relatable to us. Taking medications, a strict bedtime therapy and bubble bath. I just want to pause and just really highlight that taking medications, just like therapy, that is self-care. 
self-care isn't just like pampering. It's like, mm-hmm. no, actually doing the things that you need to feel good every day. And if taking your medications is part of that routine, super important. Another one is dancing alone in my room while blasting some music. Clearly dance parties are a favorite of our community. You know, I'm like, who is this girl? Can we invite her to our home? Can we do this together? <laughs> Please. Communicating about my boundaries and my needs. Yes. Drawing, painting, doing something creative. Doing my nails, crying, words of affirmation. Um, yes, holler at that. Masturbation again and daydreaming. About men? About your partner? Who's to say? And then masturbating? What is it? What's the order of operations here? Is it masturbation then daydreaming or daydreaming and then masturbating? Daydreaming about masturbating? <laughs> Who's to say really? And then another one that we received was support meetings and prayer, two other really important things. So jumping into some of the ones that really made us laugh and the ones that just we hadn't really seen that much before, the one that I mentioned earlier was opening and eating a cold orange in a hot shower. In parentheses, trust me. (laughs) All right, I'll trust you. I'll do it this week. We'll see. I'm like, what? Is it like essential oils? Like, what is that? Is it just like to brighten your fate? I don't. How? I think what happens. Maybe it's just like really freeing to let the juices like (laughs) go. Do you squeeze it on yourself? See, here's the question: Are you eating the orange like normally by like peeling it and eating the segments, or are you just ripping open the orange and like going in on it? Yeah, is it sliced or is it like a cutie? Well, there have a lot of questions. We're going to try this out this week. We'll get back to you. We're actually going to try this out. <laughs> Another one was pole dancing. Hell yes. I love pole pole dancing. dancing is the fucking best. Yeah. I cannot wait until we can safely go to a pole dancing studio again because doing that was one of the most fun things it's of my life. It's just really empowering. I think that we forget that sexuality is for yourself first and feeling that sexuality and like moving your body and just feeling really confident in that way strutting in heels and oh, riding yeah. up on a pole like fuck yeah this fuck is the yeah. Same, yeah this is the same reason why i love having not just like dance parties with people but like just putting on some music and like intuitively just like moving my body it's really empowering to just like let your body do what it wants to do and like who gives a shit what you look like like you're doing it for yourself and that's the point yeah And doing it on a regular basis, like, I can only imagine how I would feel day to day if I did pole dancing once a week and, like, got filled with all that empowerment and sexuality. Watch out, world. I would be strutting, like, naked down the street. I don't even know. I would feel so confident. Everyone should pole dance (laughs) and masturbate. Um, Another one was I drink some water and a face mask eating whole carrots. I don't know where the carrots come from. Lots of like orange foods associated with people. Maybe it's the carotene. Yeah, I don't know. Sweet, add sweet potatoes in there. They oh, also yeah. have carotene. We love that. Like, do Next. you have the face mask on while you eat the carrots, or is it like afterwards? I don't know. <laughs> I just could not get the image out of my head of someone sitting with a sheet mask on, just like ham nom 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 nom, like <laughs> chomping away on carrots. And whole carrots, not baby carrots. No. Whole ass carrots. Is this like a horse thing? Yeah, I just like the visuals of these are very interesting to me. If it helps maintain your emotional well-being, (laughs) go for it. Do what you gotta do. 
All right, Maybe the next visible. one was weed. Yes. You know, I'm not going to say much on this, but um, <laughs> I might indulge in the uh, <laughs> Mary Jane uh, herbal remedies. <laughs> we live in California. We're over the age of yeah. 21. <laughs> no, but it's so true. Even like weed, CBD. Hey, my bubble bath stuff has a shit ton of hemp and CBD in it. And it is relaxing. relaxing. Yes, I love that. Um, this one I don't necessarily relate to, but I loved Botox. Self-confidence, baby. <laughs> like, do what you need to do. I'm all, like, physical category of self-care can look whatever you want it to look like. Eating cheese and chocolate on a daily basis. Yes. Yes. This one's just, yes. I may be lactose intolerant, but... We power through. Cheese. Um, and then the last one is making pasta. And while we're on this same vein, I'm just going to add wine to this list of <laughs> cheese, chocolate, pasta, and also wine. wine. Something great mix. Yeah. So yeah, thank you to every member of our community who sent in different parts of their self-care routine. We really, really appreciate your engagement, and we love seeing all of your responses. Also, it's just great because we didn't think about pole dancing or oranges and carrots like yeah. we didn't think about those giving us and some new ideas that works. yeah and that really works for some people and we hope that these inspire you to try something new yeah if you have no idea what your self-care should look like just try some of these out try some of ours out try out some of our community members ones and see so now that we've given you guys a bunch of examples and things that work for us and things that have been submitted um obviously we just want to mention that you are unique your struggles and the ways that you find healing and the ways that you do self-care and the things that you find restorative are all unique. And so we've given you a lot of examples, but we just wanted to also provide you the steps that you can take to help build a personal self-care plan for you. Yeah. So the first step to building your own personal self-care toolkit is to evaluate your current coping mechanisms. So how do you typically cope right now with life stresses? Can you identify when you need to take a break? What do you do when you need to take a break and you're seeing that you are starting to burn out or get really stressed? Um, some questions that I like to start with when I'm like examining my current coping strategies are if I had five minutes, if I had one hour, and if I have one day to take care of myself in a challenging or a stressful situation, what would I do? Um, and just kind of putting down onto paper, if you had five minutes to take care of yourself, if you had one hour, if you had one day to take care of yourself, what would be the things that made you feel better mm -hmm. in those moments? It's really, really important to be honest with yourself with this. This is where you start identifying your positive versus negative coping strategies. So for example, a positive coping strategy would be like meditating, putting down your feelings in a journal, talking to your therapist, talking to your friends, all those types of things can be examples of positive coping strategies. And some examples of negative coping strategies could be things like excessively drinking, getting angry and lashing out at people, closing yourself off, distancing mm -hmm. yourself from others. But I also just want to say that there are very few things that can be categorized as like blanket negative coping mechanisms. So for example, things like smoking excessively can definitely be negative but like we said weed and smoking can also act as a medication for anxiety ptsd can also be done in a safe and healthy way that actually does function as a positive coping mechanism 
Yeah, these are the questions that I really use to help build out my toolkit and now what I do on a regular basis because thinking about how you typically cope when things are really shitty or things are really stressful. For me, when I was home, I always used to go to the beach. I would, Mm -hmm. it didn't matter what time of day it was. I lived about 10 minutes from the beach when I was in San Diego and it could be midnight and I was having a hard time mentally and I would just get in my car and I would go for a drive and I would park and I would just listen to the waves. And now that's something I do more on a regular basis is I make sure to get outside and hear the wind or be in nature more often because I realized that I reflected on the fact that nature and just getting outside of my own head and my own like traditional environment was what I used when I was really stressed out. So reflecting on those things when you're in a really stressful situation, those are the types of coping mechanisms if they're really healthy or if they really work for you, you should build into more of a regular routine. Yeah, that is a perfect lead into our second part of developing a self-care plan for yourself, which is identifying what you actually need out of self-care. So what do you do to support your overall well-being on a day-to-day basis? And do you actually have that self-care built into your routine? Mm-hmm. Um, some questions that I like to think about when I think about identifying what I need about self-care I think about what I value and what I need in my everyday life, like my daily routine and my self-care needs versus what I need in a crisis or an emergency. So like we talked about the difference between your routine self-care and that emotional first aid crisis care that you do with yourself when you're experiencing trauma immediately. Yeah, for me, this really looks like on a day-to-day, I really need to move my body. Otherwise, I will not sleep at night. I get too much pent-up energy in my body, and my brain just goes a mile a minute. So this is where you can really bring in those pillars that we talked about, all those five different things, emotional, social, physical, intellectual, spiritual. This is where you can start reflecting and identifying and building out your self-care into that daily routine, regular routine. Yeah, this is also the part in your self-care routine where you can start organizing your different strategies um, based off of the cost and time that they take versus the power and impact that they have on your well-being. And I find this really, really helpful because when sometimes I don't need like a really intense form of self-care, sometimes I just need a short bath or a quick dance party. Sometimes I don't need something that's really intense. Um, So being able to organize those different strategies based off of how much of an impact, how much help do they actually give you versus how hard or easy it is to actually do that strategy Mm -hmm. can be really helpful because then in those moments you can just access what's going to be helpful for you in that moment and barely even think about what you need to do with your self-care. Yeah, because there can be definitely ones that are medium impact that you do every day to just like maintain yourself. And then there can be those that have really high impact that you need to access more in the more stressful moments that you have. So the third thing to remember when you're building out this plan is to just reflect on the barriers that you have to creating this routine and also the ways that you can improve your routine. Um, So just thinking about your existing coping strategies, what's working, what's not. And really just cleaning out and ditching the shit that just isn't helpful. So for me, that might be retail therapy. I was like, okay, this is low impact, high cost. Is this really helpful? (laughs) 
and now I just have a bunch of clothes that I don't wear. So dish that shit. Like that's not necessary. Um, and then also just thinking about, are there any barriers to you achieving or maintaining your self-care? So a lot of this, I think, has to do with therapy. I know that I thought about cost when I switched my healthcare plan, um, and that really matters. And so finding therapists or finding access to self-care strategies that fit within your budget, finding those sliding scale therapists, mm-hmm. that is a barrier, but it's also really important to think through and have a plan to work through because they can be surmountable. Another piece is just working on replacing and slowly eliminating negative self-care boundaries um, and finding out, finding positive strategies to replace the negative ones. Um, for example, drinking tea instead of alcohol. I think this is a great example. If you use wine to relax, like I sometimes do, um, I have recently found that chamomile and lavender tea also gives me that same sensation. Um, and as winter rolls around, it's really nice to have something warm. Um, so there are definitely some things you can do to replace things that you're not necessarily proud of or you don't know if are really contributing to a positive self-care routine. And then the fourth and final step of creating and building out your self-care kit is to write all of this shit down and make it accessible to you. So there are a ton of different ways that you can organize your self-care plan. You can make a chart, you can make a wheel. Um, I just recommend honestly Googling different templates for this. There are so many online that you can look at and use as as inspiration. Um, But I'm going to list a few different things that I like to include in my self-care plan. First, I like to write down my daily self-care plan or my like routine self-care, which I have all of my different categories laid out, you know, the physical, the intellectual, all the ones that we already went through. And I like to plan out at least two different practices for each category. The next thing I like to do is to list out my top three positive coping strategies that I want to habitually do. So for example, for me, that's like taking a bath all the time, (laughs) drinking tea every day, dance parties. Those are kind of my three top three positive coping strategies. The next thing I like to do is to build out my emergency first aid plan. So like we've already said, that's different than your routine self-care plan. So these are the things that are the most helpful when I'm in an immediate crisis. So things like going on a drive with a friend and blasting some music, whether that means calling a crisis line or trying to schedule an extra therapy session. I also think it's helpful to lay out the things that are also harmful for you in those times. I think that when you're in an immediate crisis, It can be hard to remember that certain coping strategies that you might be drawn to are negative and harmful in the long run. So sometimes writing down the certain things that are negative for you in those moments can be helpful and deter you from indulging in those things. Yeah, I'm really glad that you brought that up, actually. I know for me, I have a tendency to isolate myself when I'm in a crisis and be like, no one else can help me. I'm a burden to everyone. And I just isolate myself when I'm in those crisis moments. And so really being aware of those things that you do and writing it down, reminding yourself, like, don't do this. Or maybe just like a little affirmation that you have on like the side of your bed. Like for me, that can look like, no, you're not a burden. Go talk to your fucking friend. Like, (laughs) no, if you're in a crisis, just go talk to someone. When I'm upset and in a crisis, like I can have a tendency to want to binge drink. And it's not good. It never makes you feel better. It honestly just makes me do impulsive things. So having that written down is like 
you're going through a crisis, don't go drink a bottle of wine by yourself. It's a nice reminder. <laughs> and the last thing that I think is really important is if you have a lot of physical things on your list that are a part of your self-care plan, a lot of um, things that you like, for example, I love candles and I love bath bombs, essential oils. I like things related to my sense of smell are really helpful in my self-care. So if you have a lot of those like physical things that you actually need, build a little self-care box or drawer so you can have what you need really easily accessible to you when you need it. Um, those types of things, especially sense of smell and taste, can be really helpful with grounding yourself in moments of crisis too. I was and, like, can we add the vibrator into that yeah. box? <laughs> yeah, put your vibrator, some chocolate, some essential oils all in a box. And your face mask, your whole carrots. <laughs> your whole carrot, your orange. All you got to do is find a shower and then you are set. <laughs> Whatever you need, put it in the box. <laughs> So yeah, I think that those are just some of the most important things. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is just evaluate these things regularly. Not everything is going to serve you at every time. Not every coping strategy or self-care strategy that you have is always going to be helpful to you. So evaluate these things, I would say maybe monthly, and just check in with yourself. Is this stuff still serving me? Maybe there will be a day where baths don't calm me down anymore. I highly doubt it, but maybe it will. So just checking in with yourself and making sure that they still are serving you in the ways that you want them to. So that wraps up our episode on self-care. We really hope that you enjoyed and found this toolkit useful and you implement it into your life. Um, and we hope that you remember that caring for yourself isn't self-indulgent, it's self-preservation. We think that Audrey Lord really said that best. And with that, that's our sixth episode. So reminder to follow us on Instagram at I'm a power, at Issa.bogart and at Nina Randolph.